Talking about creeps. Hey, y'all. Look at us in our, you know, outfits that we weren't just wearing in the Patreon video. Check out the Patreon if you want to see that video. It's very funny. Um, welcome to a new episode of Weekly Creep. See. Si. I'm excited about this one. This one's going to be a bit of a longer series, I think. Oh. Well, like three, four episodes. Mm. But uh, I've already started seeing some weird synchronicities with it. It only happened today in work. I'll probably get into it next week, but I feel like when that happens, there's something weird being like, you're on the right track. Mm. Poor Chop is just making herself a nuisance. There, she'll be fine now. All right, sorry if you hear any weird noises. It's just me petting Poor Chop. How was your week? Good. Just been playing video games. You've been glued to that game. I have, but you want to know something? Um, Yesterday when we got home, I didn't want to touch it. And then all day today, I didn't I didn't play at all today. Oh, really? Yeah. I Well, not that's a lie. I played <laughs> for like five minutes and then I got sick of it. And then I closed it. Today's just been like, I don't want to do anything. Yeah. yeah you know, like I, get it. I just want to sit there and because like the game itself like makes me strategize like i'm strategizing while i'm playing the entire time yeah so like i just wanted to watch parks and rec you know and i went to go visit my friend and uh we we just laid in her bed and watched a movie nice and that was the best thing in the world i told her her haunted bed (laughs) and i told her i was like i had so much i had like a great time just chilling in bed doing nothing and she was like yeah same i was like let's do it again she was like okay (laughs) Well, that's good. Yeah, because we're homebodies. Yeah, you guys are. Mm-hmm. We watched Lamb. Mm. I still don't really know how I feel about it. Glad I watched it. It's I loved it. Really? Yeah. I think like it was definitely very cool, mm-hmm. you know? But like I just at the end of it, I was kind of like, I feel like there's something else that I should have picked up on that I just didn't get, mm. you know? Kind of like that movie Mother. Okay. With. Yeah, that one was a weird one to me. Yeah, I think I it was like, let's rely on all this symbolism to tell the story. But I, I didn't pick up on a lot of the hints. Like in real life and real experiences, yeah. you know, human interactions, I'm not very good at picking up hints. So this was like not the movie for me. But even with Lamb, I Googled like the ending because there was a very short scene with just her having... Like, she was just expressing her emotion. It was just a shot of her expressing her emotions yeah. with the backdrop of just the mountains. And it's a very scenic movie, actually. Yeah, it was like a very, it's like everything happened and then everything just stopped. And then it was just that shot of her. Mm-hmm. And it went on for so long. Like, it, it felt long that I was like, okay, clearly this movie is making a point in this particular instant, but I'm not catching on. So I just Googled it and I was like, okay, that makes a lot of sense. So What was it? Or um, will you spoil the movie if you tell? Uh yeah. Okay, okay. Tell I, me I, later. Well, okay. So like I'll I'll say it I'll say it to you, like you'll know what I mean. Um she just like it was it was just the feeling of it was just acceptance. Oh, like she just accepted what had happened? What had happened and what has to happen next. Okay. Like you know, yeah, 
Like she understands that it all happened for a reason. And and that's she, that. And that was it. Well, either way, I was like hoping that it would just have been like, no, it's just a cool movie for the sake of being a cool movie. And if yeah. that's the case, then yeah, I fucking loved it. Yeah. There goes pork chop, hair everywhere. So while Dulce is busy over there with pork chop, I would just like to say this episode is not sponsored. Um, so no infomercial style, nothing or anything like that, thankfully. Um, but what I would like to ask of you is just if you're watching on YouTube, please, um, you know, do all the crap like like, uh, subscribe and comment. Mm -hmm. Um, and then like if you're on Apple Podcasts or Spotify, just give us a little rating. That would be great. Five stars, please. Yeah. Um, it really goes a long way for us. So we really appreciate it. And as well, if you're watching along with the video and you find and, and like there's a particular spot that you think like this is really funny or whatever, let us know. Um, because, you know, it's just a really nice way for us to interact and stuff. Yeah. Constructive feedback is nice. Yeah. But yeah, with that being said, I think. Let's dive in. Let's get stuck in. Um, real quick before we start. I got a little bit sidetracked and ended up Googling the size of Ireland for some reason. Can't remember why. It was probably relative to something in the story. But while I was looking while I was looking that up, I saw a little questions and answers thing at the bottom of the page and someone asked, Is there a way to gain an Irish accent? Okay. Do you know what the answer to this is? Yes. Somebody responded, which seems to be the correct response. You have to eat half a strawberry cake and a glass of milk and a whole apple pie. The fuck? That was it. They didn't even say that that would make you get an Irish accent or anything. They just said you have to do this. That's interesting. It's part of your quest. So I think next episode, I'm going to feed you half a strawberry cake, a glass of milk and a whole apple pie and uh, just see what happens. I can't because I already have the Irish accent and I'm vegan. So, you know, that's what would happen. Constipation. <laughs> All right. So this story this week is uh, brought to you actually courtesy of our dear listener, Jody. So thank you very much. They bought us this. Jody, Jody. <laughs> <laughs> uh, this is the book. I'm holding it up for the screen. I'll post the picture of it as well. The book is Testimony by Mark Chadbourne. It's very cool. It's called testimony because he literally went and got the testimonies of the experiencers. And for a lot of it has just transcribed exactly what they have told him, mm -hmm. which is really interesting because a lot of the time these books are written, you know, based on other information and source material and stuff like this, where this guy got straight into the point and actually was, you know, there like Are, boots on the ground. No, this is primary. Yeah, I guess. Because he was there. This is his account. It's their accounts through him. I don't know. It's confusing. Mm. Mm -hmm. But a lot of people will have heard this story already because Danny Robbins. Mm -hmm. Oh, that guy. Yeah. Okay. He works with the BBC. Well, I think he works with a different production company, but through the BBC, he just did a nine or ten part series. Mm -hmm. um, but I don't think I had ever heard this story before. Other people, I have since looked it up and it is a well-known story as yeah. outside of that. But if you're not familiar with Danny Robbins, Danny Robbins, mm -hmm. he is the creator of the Uncanny podcast. And obviously, like his shows are very successful because he's now working with the BBC. But his whole thing is interviewing people who have had 
paranormal experiences and then he like just investigates the crap out of them. Uh, with his larger cases, such as this one and the Battersea Poltergeist, he, did I say Battersea? Battersea Poltergeist. He has an entire team of parapsychologists and just a huge audience reach, which brings more witnesses into the folds. Like, that's what I love about it. And like, they are very good. Um, Anyway, while he has an entire team of people just to help debunk or prove different aspects of the stories, we don't. So I will just be telling the story in the best way I can. But just know that the Witch Farm podcast uh, was a great source to have um, and is an ongoing great source to have. Like he's still doing little updates and stuff. And it is like it's very, very interesting. You know what I mean? Some of the stuff. Anyway, well, I, still... I should hope so. You chose it to for <laughs> no, today's story. <laughs> but in particular, Can you imagine? I it's mean, like, oh, this is an awful story. Let me make this yeah. into an episode. I've some of the books in this little collection Mm. are so bad that I read an entire book and then had to do a listener stories episode that week very disheartening behind the scenes yeah but no it's just very interesting to have like so many different perspectives of one story Mm. and in my opinion uh like the parapsychologist jobs are there to rationalize or give other theories paranormal or otherwise but, like, this podcast to me has done more proving of the paranormal than disproving, which I always love. So, along with that, like I said, we do have the book. Thank you, Jody. If you would also like to contribute to our little reference library, which is where this little moon is here. That's all reference books. Hanging check- on for dear life. No, it's well anchored. It's well anchored. But yeah, she said. you can check out our Amazon wish list through the link on our Instagram page, or you can just go to weeklycreep.com. It just brings you to our link tree with all that crap on there. Uh, as well as that, I also watched a not-so-great TV show called True Horror. It was, I think, a UK Channel 4 production that wasn't very successful because there's only four episodes. But luckily, one of them is about the witch farm, or Hale Vanog, which is the name of the property. In Welsh. Mm. Anyway, that TV show is available on Prime in the US, but as much as it's not great, it's just like it's conventional TV. So they have to, you know, Mm. spruce it up a little bit and like leave out whole chunks of information. But it does have interviews with the family. Um, So it's always nice to put like a face to the name or voice that you're hearing. It's also worth mentioning here that I feel like this case unraveled itself over the course of like six years. I think six or seven years. So like a lot of the stories we cover, it's not just a few rough nights and then it's over. It's like, unfortunately enough, like the demise of a family. A lot of the time, these cases are like that. Mm-hmm. Whereas some TV shows and um, like and podcasts as well, again, more commercialized ones, not the witch farm. They, they do a great like expanding of the story, but other ones make these things seem like they just happen like in, over the course of a week or two, and then the family ran away, and that was it. Mm. This is not the case with this. So I will be going over like pretty lengthy spans of time, and it might seem like we're cutting pretty soon. Anyway, just a heads up. But with that being said, I suppose we're going to start with Bill. Okay. Bill was born in Dorset, England, in I think 1950, and his ex-military father had a, quote, strong dislike of creative people. That's very specific. Yeah. So I feel like me and Bill's dad would not have gotten along. 
I would have been a Nancy boy. <laughs> Them's but, aren't working hands. Yeah, they're too soft. That my hands are extremely soft at the minute. I won't lie. They're very nice. Yes. But this was a real shame because Bill was truly the definition of an artist. Mm. Despite his dad's views, or maybe in spite of his dad's views, he went to Ruskin College of Fine Arts at 16. But unfortunately, he got expelled because he was caught with the head teacher's daughter. Whoa. The scoundrel. I know. Whoa. Yeah, it was like an illicit affair. Painting her nude. I don't know. They, there was literally no detail other than there was an affair with the head teacher's daughter. Mm. Which, I mean, that's not an expulsion no, it's type not. thing. But anyway, mm-hmm. it was a different time. Not knowing what to do next, he joined the Navy and he headed out to Borneo. But soon realized that the Navy was no place for him. So he just fucked off and hid in the jungle. What? He went on the lam? Yeah, literally. The book testimony, the quote is, Jumping ship, he disappeared into the depths of like, the jungle. literally. So, yeah, I don't know if he actually just went, <laughs> fuck this. <laughs> like, dove. Like He's like, let's find out if I can swim. Yeah, I'm assuming that the author just chose an interesting like phrase but fuck it i don't know like maybe he did like the rest of the story is pretty Mm. nuts as a man on the run and like he was trying to avoid capture from the authorities he ended up in sarawak which is a part of the island of borneo and here he was taken in by quote a local tribe of headhunters now i don't think these guys were like working for hr trying to find the next fucking area manager or something i think (laughs) they were actual headhunters like trying to kill other tribes people or something okay he lived with these guys for weeks wearing just a loincloth and following their instruction like down to a t and everything that they did he would just do he completely adapted their way of living as straight away Mm -hmm. but eventually he was located by the navy and arrested and shipped back to england to be court-martialed but i'm just saying like if you just like switch like that then yeah maybe he literally did just jump off the ship one night yeah it took weeks to get back to england he was kept in a cell in a boat and then he was charged and i don't know if he served time or he just got like you know the what's the dishonorable discharge oh yeah or court martial or whatever but from there he headed to australia it was the mid 70s at this point and he was a pretty successful painter and decorator although like this wasn't scratching the artistic uh itch so one day he just dropped everything and headed to Finnecane Island. Okay. So he had like he had started up his own business in Australia, uh, specifically painting like nightclubs and pubs and stuff like that, and mm-hmm. businesses, making good money. But when he got to Finnecane Island, he joined a group of indigenous Australians to protest against mineral extraction in a place considered to be sacred by them. He ended up spending weeks with these people and started to paint artistically for the first time in years. The paintings ended up going on display and it like re- reignited his passion. So he decided he'd gonna go, he was going to go back home to England and really give this art like a proper go, like invest everything in it. Unfortunately, though, he fell in love. <laughs> yeah, he got married. And so his glorious dreams of being a full time artist got put back, got put on the back burner. They eventually had a little boy called Lawrence. And after 16 years of marriage, Denise left Bill and Lawrence for another man. Whoa. Yeah. Hussy. <laughs> um, no, apparently it was Lawrence's choice, though, to stay with his dad. But, like, Bill was devastated mm-hmm. by this affair. Um, and devastated, like, for Lawrence, mm-hmm. you know? He really seems to have agonized over keeping the best relationship he possibly could with Lawrence. Like, 
above all else, he just wants to be a great dad. Yeah. And I don't know whether it's like because he had like an artistic temperament or not, mm-hmm. but he seems to like have spoken. This all happened in like um, late 80s, early 90s. But he was like fairly open with his like feelings and emotions, you know what I mean? Mm. As which is like very refreshing, I found while I was reading this. Um, but while he was trying to find something to help him cope, like with everything that had happened, he had tried different medications, I think, like antidepressants and stuff like that, and it just nothing was working for him. But he was eventually recommended to a herbalist in Cardiff, Wales. This herbalist was Liz. Liz also had a bit of a wild streak in her. She had become a herbalist after suffering with anorexia for a long time. And while trying numerous ways to try and overcome it, she found herbalism just was the best thing for her. So while she was working on herself, um, she trained and opened up her own shop. So this was an ongoing thing, though, like even though she was a professional herbalist or whatever, she was still struggling with these things. Her upbringing was described as tempestuous. And after she failed her 11 plus exams, her parents shipped her off to a convent hoping that the strict disciplinarian nuns would whip her into schooling shape, like probably literally. literally. Now, I had to Google the 11 plus exams to find out what they were, but these were the exams given to kids leaving primary school in order to get into secondary school, 11 plus being the age of the children who would take the test. Mm-hmm. So this means that her parents sent her off to a convent at the age of 11 or 12. Holy shit. Yeah, they were just like, she's terrible, send her off, like yeah. that's it. She understandably rebelled. By 14, she was like really out of control. Like, fuck those nuns, right? But (laughs) she was hanging out with all the right people. Hippies, rockers, living the sweet life. Now, she did start dabbling in drink and drugs. And even though she was only 14, so, you know, hopefully she was safe and all that. But anyway, her folks then sent her to Leicester to live with her brother, hoping that this would do the trick, like different scenery, different, you know, change of place, change of pace, all that kind of crap. But it definitely didn't. Like, she just got worse. She eventually graduated high school back in Cardiff and went to a local college to train as a nursery nurse. I don't know if that's a midwife or not, or like post-birth nurse or something. I feel like it would be. Yeah. Midwife. Oh, anyway, her lifestyle of hard drinking was catching up with her. Mm. So suddenly she started putting on a ton of weight. According to her, a ton of weight. I don't know what a ton is, but... She obsessively then went about trying to lose it. And unfortunately, this is what ultimately led to her dealing with anorexia for 12 years. At one point, in an effort to regain some control of her life, she actually ran off to the Mediterranean. Yeah, very much like Bill, it sounds like, you Mm. know. Um, But here she spent months traveling around the Greek islands. And according to the woman herself, she drove a motorbike through the Sahara while living in Morocco. Mm. Very cool. cool. Yeah. But by the time this was over... Her condition was quite bad, like to the point where her teeth were loose, oh. her hair was falling out. Mm-hmm. And this is luckily when she discovered herbalism. Mm-hmm. And that's what led to her meeting Bill. Now, she actually said that the day she met Bill was the day it stopped. Mm. Her anorexia, like everything. It was like everything just fell into place. Because funnily enough, Bill, the cheeky scoundrel, you know, having it off with the head teacher's daughter and all that. When he got to the shop... He was like, want to go for lunch? And that was it. She she kind of panicked because usually she would be thinking of some excuse like. To get out of it. Yeah. And she was like, maybe I'll just have a liquid lunch or something mm-hmm. like that. But 
she was put on the spot so quickly that she just ended up going and having a regular lunch and yeah. didn't feel the need to, you know, purge or anything afterwards. So That's bulimia. Was, yeah, no, she had like... Oh, she was bulimic as well? Yeah, she had gone through like a whole... Oh, okay. Yeah, she just had eating disorder after eating disorder. Oh. But anyway, it was just really nice, like a really sweet kind of end to everything mm-hmm. that she had been going through. Now, Bill was really careful with how he introduced Liz to Lawrence. He treated the situation very delicately and tried to make it clear that if Lawrence said the word, like he would drop Liz like a sack of old dog shit. You know? All right. Now, I don't know how true that really is, but he thought a good way to break the ice and get them all to bond together would be to go on a trip. Any guesses where they went? The Mediterranean. The pyramids of Egypt. <laughs> wow. Yeah. So uh, young Lawrence was like really into Egyptian history at the ah. time. Yeah. And which I also was. It's very like, interesting. Yeah. And uh, like they teach you about it in school and stuff. So you're mm. like, you know, the whole Lord Carnarvon and uh, I can't think of the other dude's name. Carter. They didn't teach me Egyptian history. I just read about it because I'm a loser. Uh, nerd. <laughs> nerd. Well, either way, it's a fascinating story that I used to know really well. I don't know it so much anymore. Mm. But according to Danny Robbins, ah. there's a rumor that Bill's like auntie or great auntie was actually a member of the Egyptologists who were like who uncovered King Tutankhamun's tomb. No shit. Yeah. Now, the BBC couldn't find any links to it. I certainly couldn't find any links yeah. to it. But it's just an interesting thing to mm-hmm. like put a pin in that for later. Anyway, Bill said that he remembered Lawrence following Liz around, giving her the finger behind her, behind her back. <laughs> in the UK and in Ireland, like the two fingers is the same as yeah, yeah. the middle finger. So that's what he was, was doing. This? He was literally just, yeah. But he was actually walking around just like this. I don't know why. <laughs> um, but like there was nothing sinister though. Do you know what I mean? And mm-hmm. it's also worth mentioning that Liz was only 30 while Bill was around 40 or maybe even older. Mm-hmm. So she this saw is, Lawrence. This is me playfully giving the finger. And then this is me being angry and giving the finger. <laughs> you know what? Real like quick aside here. Uh, I was listening to Blind Boy today. Oh. And he was saying. How's he doing? Fucking fantastic. Mm. But uh, he was just saying that like he avoided a situation that could have gone like really terribly for everybody involved. If he had to listen to that little angry voice in his head and just gone with it. Mm. But instead he was like he was in the right frame of mind and he was able to acknowledge you know the situation and he took deep breaths and eventually the person who he was angry with who was also very angry with him like he approached her and helped her and they ended up bonding and it was a lovely story but it made me think of the other day i was pulling out to go to come home from work and this guy like literally he had all the room in the world but because he was driving a pickup truck he had to like speed up as i was pulling out so anyway he pulls in even though I'm in the other lane and he starts like beeping at me and shit. So I have my finger out the window. I'm like, fuck you, you cunt. Cause that's just the word that we go for. And he was like screaming obscenities in his truck and giving the finger as well. And he's like, you know, pretty chubby guy sitting in his truck wedged in. I'm like sitting in my car, sweating, like aware of the fact that I'm not physically able to fight anybody. <laughs> you mm-hmm. know what I mean? So as all of this was going on, it dawned on me how stupid we looked. Mm-hmm. And then I just started laughing and I was like, yeah, yeah, whatever. And then I was still laughing by the time the guy pulled up next to me in the truck and I looked at him laughing still. 
but I think he got even more mad because <laughs> I was just like, how silly do we look, sir? You know, and he was just like, oh, <laughs> seething with rage. Um, anyways, <laughs> yeah. yeah, but that's the attitude that I'm going to try and take from now on. It's just like, that's really hard to do. I know, but like, especially for me, because I'm the like, yeah, the grumpiest person I know. But trying to have that outside perspective, I think, really just like that other time in Ireland, another traffic incident. Uh, some dude cut me off. And so I cut him off in turn. And then the two of us sat there beeping at each other. And then he got out of his car and I got out of my car. And he was a Polish dude. And this was in Ireland. And I was like, you stupid cunt. And he goes, no, I am not cunt. You are the cunt. And I was just stood in the middle of the road. I was like, well, where do you go from here? <laughs> so I just started laughing again. I was like, I suppose you're right. <laughs> Got back into the car. I was just like, idiot. Both of us. Um, anyway, so Liz saw Lawrence as <laughs> more of a little brother than anything else because she was only... 30. Yeah, so like she would have been, I think, like 16 years older than him mm-hmm. or thereabouts. Um, and... Bill and Lawrence had still been living in the house that they had shared with Denise, Lawrence's mom. And it was full of bad memories. And also the landlady was convinced that Denise was actually just like away on business or something. And Bill was this pig of a man having an affair with mm. Liz. So like, I'm sure he explained like, no, Denise fucked off. Yeah. You know, but for whatever reason, this lady was like disgusting, this <laughs> man. <laughs> so understandably, they decided that they needed to get away from all that and find a place of their own. A nice fresh start. They had a big chunk of savings. Liz was pregnant. And Bill was again ready to put all of his focus into being a full-time artist. They found the perfect home in the Brecon Beacon Mountains. Just outside of the town of Brecon or village of Brecon in Wales. Hail Vanog. That's how they all say it in the BBC thing. So I think that's it. It's Welsh. And according to the book, Testimony... This means road to the peaks. Hail being Welsh for road. But when I put that into Google Translate, it came back as road glove. The fuck? <laughs> yeah, as in like a glove that you would put over a road to keep it warm. Um, and then the more I put it into Google Translate, the worse it was like responding to me. So Weird. Yeah. Um, it was an ancient barn, this house, right? Uh, so it, it's on the cover of the book. But I can't seem to find like a decent picture that I can definitely say is or is not Hail Vanog because mm. a lot of the articles that have covered it, like one even had just a picture of the Hellfire Club from Dublin. That's weird. Yeah, because the nickname of the or the episode of that true horror TV show was Nick was called Hellfire Farm or something. Mm. I don't know where they How got do you that fuck from. that up? I don't know. But anyway, so a lot of the articles that I saw online, I was just like, this is... It is the story, but these are just random pictures. Yeah. Anyway, Road Glove was an ancient barn that had been converted into a house sometime in the 50s, tucked away on three acres of land, the nearest neighbours half a mile away, and most impressive, there was a 40-foot room which Bill planned to use as his studio. Mm, it actually looked like it sounds like a dream. Mm-hmm. They were only renting it, but it was still a dream come true for them, and like Lawrence seemed to be delighted. According to the testimonies, as soon as they pulled up, like they had been visiting the place in hopes that they would be able to rent it. So like when the previous tenant had been away, they'd go up and like have their lunch on the grounds and stuff. And there was 
the ruins of the original manor house, which had been like the original Hale Van Oak, which was hundreds of years old, that was on the site and stuff. So it just like sounded really dreamy, honestly. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. And when they got to the house on like move-in day, Bill and Liz were just taking it all in while Lawrence went off exploring. And Liz said it felt like they were moving into another world. She said, quote, I feel like there's a dome over the whole house protecting us. And Bill had to agree because he felt it too. It was this otherworldly feeling, you know, probably just relief, honestly. That other place that they had been living in with the horrible landlady was like a little small cul-de-sac or a townhouse situation. So all the neighbors and all this landlady was telling them all these fucking rumors. It was the summer of 1989 and for the riches, it flew by in a haze of happy memories and all the good things that came with building a new life together. Bill and Liz got married on September 28th and I don't know if they got married on the land or I might have just gotten that confused, but either way. Against all odds, Liz had her baby in October and there was a whole slew of complications, but ultimately they were all fine and happy. But then, one night, in late November, the two were just absolutely getting after it, hot and steamy in the bedroom, right? It had been a few weeks, possibly months, since they had done the devil's dance, but tonight was the night, and they just went for it. They managed not to wake the baby, who was sleeping in the cot next to the bed, so I don't know how, like, you know. Anyway, But Bill's main concern was that Lawrence might have heard them as his room was next to their room. And he was just was constantly conscious of Lawrence and how he was doing. The baby started to fuss and Bill went to use the loo and see if he could tell whether Lawrence had like actually heard anything or whether he was asleep. But it all seemed to be quiet enough. He went on downstairs and decided he would piss with the door open as a sign of dominance because this was his house. But... While he was relieving himself, he suddenly heard loud, heavy bootsteps crashing along the upstairs landing, breaking the peaceful post-sex silence of the night. He thought this was his son displaying his disgust, and so he went up to have words with him and be like, listen, I'm sorry, you know, if we got loud or whatever. But he slowly opened the bedroom door, and Lawrence was asleep in the darkness. So Bill went back to his own room where Liz was feeding Ben happily, Ben the baby. And she hadn't heard a thing. But like, it was the only sound in the house and it had come from upstairs. Later, they would say that that night was like someone hitting a switch. They had spent five or six months living in bliss, but that was all about to come to an abrupt end. The following morning, as Bill and Liz sat in a newly glum feeling kitchen, the postman dropped off the mail, which included their first electricity bill. That might sound like a very boring piece of information, but... I know some places do it monthly back then in the UK. It was every three months. But this is like the thing that this story is known for. This electricity bill. When Bill opened it, the bill, he thought there had been some sort of mistake. It was 750 British pounds. What's that in today's money? In today's money? It's just funny that you happen to have asked that because I have the exact information here. 
It's the equivalent of about 1816 pounds Damn. and 15 cents pounds in euros that's 2066 and in dollars that's almost 2200 dollars yeah for three months of electricity now i will say that today the electricity and gas is like combined in one mm-hmm. so i really don't know if that's the case here i tried to do like some research on it but i couldn't figure it out if that is just electricity though which the bbc made it seem like it really was mm-hmm. the the higher average annual consumption of electricity for the UK, and this is based off a five-bedroom house with four or five people, is 4,300 kil- 4, kilowatt hours. So this is solely an electric bill, like I said, but that means that Bill and Liz were using around 6,000 kilowatts per month. Now that 4,300 kilowatts is the annual consumption of a large family. Oh, wow. Yeah. Again, I could be wrong. This is literally my own calculations. Like like I said, I could also be wrong about the gas and electricity thing being combined. But hopefully some of our UK listeners will correct me if I am wrong. Either way, something was wrong with this amount. And they just decided like, oh, this is preposterous. Like, we'll just call the company in, on Monday and we'll get it sorted. Like, let's not worry about it. And then Lawrence came downstairs and for whatever reason... He was the angriest Bill had ever seen him. Like, he literally said his face had changed with the anger. He stuck his head in the kitchen, glared at them all, and then left again. Now, immediately, Bill thought he must have heard him and Liz beating the bushels the night before. But he had cash put aside for Lawrence. And he was like, okay, I'll go give him the money. Lawrence wanted to, like, decorate his own bedroom. He's like, this is the perfect time to, like, smooth things over. Like, here's that 40 pound. Mm -hmm. How old is he right now? 14. Okay. So yeah, like prime hormonal teen age, mm-hmm. you know. Um, but anyway, Bill went with this uh, peace proposition. Well, Lawrence just snatched the cash and like walked away without saying anything. So again, Bill was like walking on eggshells constantly. I was just like, okay, well, you know, go get your paint and stuff. I'll be here when you get back. And that was it. But something was different. Like the whole air of Hale Fanog had changed. It was something, it was somehow like tense mm-hmm. and they felt watched. Mm-hmm. That afternoon, Bill was making a cup of tea and Liz was up in the bedroom peacefully pe- peacefully feeding the baby when suddenly there was a huge bang from down the hallway as one of the doors slammed shut. A few seconds later, Liz's heart still pounding from the initial shock and then another crash as Lawrence's bedroom door slammed. He must have come home still in a bad mood and was now taking it out on them. So luckily he hadn't started the ba- he hadn't startled the baby and Liz decided that she'd go and sort him out as soon as she was done feeding Ben. Then the strangest thing happened. The door to her own bedroom slammed shut so hard that a piece of jewelry bounced on the dresser where it lay. This time Ben finally reacted and started bawling his eyes out. But the, the weird thing was Liz's bedroom door wasn't open to begin with. Like, it didn't physically slam. Yeah. Just the noise of it and the the jewelry bouncing. Yeah, it was like something hit the door. That's what I think, but mm-hmm. nobody said it like that. They were yeah. just like, some mystical thing happened. Mm-hmm. This was followed by loud footsteps running down the landing. But it was only Bill trying to find out what the fuck was going on because he knew that Lawrence wasn't home. Mm-hmm. So it was only Liz and the baby upstairs. Poor Liz was very upset and they talked it out in the kitchen like, trying to rationalize and Bill was trying to like laugh it off. 
he was only trying to put on a brave face and they just went about the rest of the day the best they could. He was like, oh, you know, Casper and whatever. Like, people love a friendly ghost. Yeah. But around quarter past six that evening, as the two sat down to eat dinner in the kitchen, they naturally started talking about the weird goings on when they both heard the heavy footsteps upstairs. Only this time they were followed by the soft, slippered footsteps at the top of the stairs. They both stared at each other, straining to listen. Then they heard the spectral slippers step down from the landing and slowly make their descent. Bill and Liz bravely poked their heads out the kitchen door, not knowing what to expect to see, but there was nothing there. The phantom feet stopped on the last step of the stairs, and the way the house was configured, they couldn't actually see the stairs. The stairs came down, if you're watching this on YouTube, I'm gesticulating how the stairs went down and then met the hallway Mm -hmm. and then the kitchen was here so they were looking out but they were like parallel with the stairs you know but bill felt liz telepathically telling him to man up and investigate so he made his way down the hallway to the shadowy staircase slowly he looked around the stairs and there he saw it nothing there's no one there nothing except for the feeling that there was somebody or something standing, watching, waiting, and observing Bill and Liz's reaction. Now, Bill was relieved, but this was an undeniably sure sign that their lives at Helfanog were never going to be the same. These events took place from Thursday to Saturday, I think, and the following Monday, Bill called the electric company, Swalek, to sort out this extortionate £750 bill. But the woman on the phone assured him that this was not a mistake. The fella had come out, taken the reading from the meter, and... You know, that's it and all about it. Like, proof is in the pudding. But she did eventually agree to send someone out there to double-check, make sure everything was good. Later that afternoon, though, as Bill was walking into the kitchen, he was struck with the stifling smell of sulfur. It was so overpowering that he literally had to leave the kitchen to get something to cover his mouth and nose before he could go back in to check what was going on. Obviously, he found nothing, but he put it down to it having something to do with the septic tank, Mm. which they had... They, weren't, they lived far enough away from any town or village to be connected to the regular plumbing. So they had a septic tank which needed to be emptied every now and then. He called the people. They came out and checked it out. But it had been pumped like only a few weeks ago. And mm-hmm. conveniently, the smell went away just before these lads showed up. Barely any poop. There's hardly any shit in this whole town. I don't know <laughs> what to tell you. But either way, it wasn't the smell of poop. You know what I mean? It was just nasty sulfur and like, what else could it have possibly been? Yeah. What do you think of this story so far? What do you mean? Like, does it seem fairly standard? Like a like, haunting or a poltergeist or yeah, alien like, or cryptid? Yeah, like I feel like we've heard a lot of these. I always say symptoms. I don't like anomalies. I, I don't really know. Yeah, you could say symptoms. Yeah. But it, it's like almost textbook, mm-hmm. right? So this question is obviously for Dulce, but if you're watching on YouTube, leave a comment and let us know your thoughts like so far in the story. And there will also be an, an Instagram post as well with like some media if yeah. you'd prefer to comment on there too. Yeah, like the symptoms are there because like 14, I know like some people go through puberty earlier in their lives. Some people are late bloomers. Um, He might have been a late, late bloomer if this just came out yeah. of like nowhere. You know, they were living in the house peacefully yeah. and then out of nowhere, like the shit went down. And maybe that kid wasn't asleep like the parents thought. Yeah, you know like I mean? that thought definitely crossed my mind as well. Because Maybe if he's, he's a 14-year-old kid and he's hearing his, you know, his dad, you know, 
doing the devil's dance next door. He doesn't want to appear awake because a conversation, uncomfortable conversation, Horrific. will be will ensue. Especially like the fact that his dad is probably like I know a fourteen, like a twenty year old is an adult. Yeah. You know what I mean? But his dad probably seemed a lot older than Liz, who was like, you know, the younger, attractive replacement for his mother mm-hmm. is what I'm assuming he, is how he felt, you know. Mm-hmm. But we'll get back more into that yeah. later on. And like they moved to a completely different fucking house. Like sure, the like uh, Bill and Liz probably were uncomfortable, but maybe Lawrence wasn't. Maybe Lawrence That was all loved- he knew. Yeah, all he knew, he had friends at school, like yeah. a stable life. And then there's a new baby, you yeah. know, there's like all these things, all these changes are happening. Yeah. And again, I will go into more detail on all that in a, in a few minutes. Mm-hmm. But anyway, that evening, there was another smell. Liz brought Bill into the kitchen and this time it reeked of incense. And Bill literally said, I only knew the smell because of being in Catholic churches, like as a child or mm-hmm. like a painter or whatever. So that's the kind of incense it smelled like straight up church incense. But they could both smell it. And although it was much nicer than the sulfur, it was still this random phantom aroma in the house. And mm-hmm. they were both still terrified. And in the book, Bill is trying to comfort Liz and again, just say, oh, you know, it's just a few bangs and a few funny smells. But Liz says that she's feeling constantly watched since all this started. Like, again, like someone just hit a switch. And Bill was feeling the same. In all the longer cases that we've covered so far, I feel like, anyway, it's this feeling that seems to exhaust people, like, more than anything. Their adrenaline is up constantly because when things are happening, they're experiencing the terror. And then when things are quiet, they're just wondering what's next. Like They're on edge. Yeah, when is it going to happen next? And this seems to be the most draining thing. But yeah, Liz is like, it's not the actual quote, but she said it felt like there was just someone in the corner constantly. Like every time she went into a new room, there was someone just waiting. Mm-hmm. And the next thing to emerge is another, what I think of classical poltergeist or just general paranormal symptom, temperature fluctuations. Now, remember, it's late November, early December in the Welsh Mount Mount. In the Welsh mountains, so it's cold out. There's no real insulation, if any, in this several hundred-year-old barn conversion. And yet one morning, as Liz sat in the kitchen feeding Ben, the sweat was literally rolling off of her. Mm-hmm. Because she was breastfeeding, though, she couldn't, like, get up and just turn everything off. Like, she was set up, you know? So she was waiting for Bill to come in. He was trying to figure out why the car wouldn't start. And eventually he did come in, but wouldn't you know it, the heat wasn't even turned on house was just doing its own thing bill had actually forgotten she had asked him to turn on the heat and he had forgotten remembered while he was outside and was like oh fuck she's gonna be like she's Mm -hmm. gonna kill me when i go back in there these anomalies seem to be rolling out one thing after another though because the following morning bill was walking down the hallway and was suddenly plunged into a cold spot that was there one minute and gone the next and as each new thing happened it was like a snowball effect the new a lot the new anomaly was just added to the ever-growing arsenal And they were just left to wonder, like, how is this going to get any worse than it already is? The smells and random hot or cold spots became an almost daily occurrence. The smells seemed to be isolated to the hallway where the phone was, but the hot spots were more random. Although you were guaranteed a temperature change with a bad smell or an incense smell. Hmm. 
So, and I think this is directly from Bill's testimony, like the occurrence, like how they would happen. The most interesting thing, though, in my opinion, anyway, was that the footsteps had not only become a daily occurrence, but an almost scheduled occurrence. Again, according to Bill, he says that they would hear the big, heavy footsteps first, and then the soft, slippered ones intermingled with these, but and the soft ones would come down the stairs, and this would all happen at around quarter past six every day. Now, you might think, like, quarter past six, that's pretty early for, like, you know, spooky things to no, be going on. No, 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 p.m. Oh, okay. But it definitely would have been dark outside. You know what I mean? Middle of winter, up mm. in the mountains at this time. So I'm sure they felt just as scared, you know? But the first time he had heard them was the middle of the night, like the sex night occurrence. And then I think every time since then, it was around quarter past six every evening. And the other thing I don't know is, like, say if this was a residual thing, like, I can't tell if the big heavy footsteps just went like for a sp certain length of the hallway and then the soft ones like because he said they, they were intermingled but i wonder is it like two tapes being played on the same track yeah that's kind of what it seems like to me because mm. i don't know it just doesn't really make sense that they would or were they gradually turning in from heavy to soft i don't know or could it just be two different things yeah just at the same time like like two different people or beings yeah, or yeah. whatever mm -hmm. maybe no matter what phenomenon they were experiencing though it was always accompanied by that awful feeling of being watched or being in the presence of something now i can relate to this in some way because when we did our little trip to spike island and we heard what we thought was a kid laughing or whatever it was i'm not saying that it was definitely that but the last time we heard it when i freaked out it sounded like it was coming towards me whatever the sound actually was my brain couldn't compute what was happening. I just couldn't comprehend because there was nothing visually there, but this sound was moving towards me. Oh, is that the time that you jumped and screamed? Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, my God. I was like, oh, my God. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah. I panicked like a little girl. <laughs> I'm, got, I'm not even ashamed of it. I'm not ashamed of it. A little bit embarrassed. That. Not ashamed. <laughs> but I just didn't know. Like, that, that was where the fright was. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Was this... Just not being able to understand what was happening. Yeah, I get you know? it. Mm -hmm. Anyway, I also think it's interesting that Bill doesn't actually know if Lawrence heard them, these or not, like the sounds, not mm -hmm. Bill and Liz being... Bill and Liz. Yeah. <laughs> Their most natural habitat. No, but um, he doesn't know if Lawrence actually heard all these footsteps every night or not because he just didn't want to talk about any of it, apparently. Hmm. Bill said he was quite embarrassed about it. But in saying that... Lawrence wasn't really talking about anything at all, mm. you know. Um, he had taken the money from his dad because he wanted to paint his own room, which Liz and Bill thought was a really cool idea. And that this would give him a safe space and essentially, you know, have his private time. He's a kid. He's, you know, it's pulling his 14. pork. Yeah, yeah. he needs his own space. Anyway, he went off to town and bought his all, all his materials, but he was still in an absolute stinker of a mood, which by the sounds of things, wasn't his usual way. This had been going on for days at this point, literally since the morning after Bill and Liz were riding like rabbits. He refused to let Bill help him paint or anything, just wanted to be left completely alone, so Bill just let him at it. But this actually kind of broke my heart a little bit, right? Bill had gone into town 
even though Lawrence had gone into town on his own and gotten a taxi back with his own, because he's a big boy, like he has all his own paints and all that. But Bill actually went into town and bought Lawrence his very own TV and video player to make his room complete. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? He was like, look what I got you. And he brought it in as like a housewarming gift. Bill did. He walked into his bedroom and was like, do you need a hand? Like, I got you this just in case, you know. And Lawrence didn't even look at the boxes. You know what I mean? He yeah. was just like, yeah, that's fine. Whatever. Mm-hmm. I don't need help. <laughs> like, poor fucking Bill. Like, my heart really went out from at that point. I was... Anyway, more like to the point of Lawrence being Lawrence. Like we were saying, he was 14 at this point. But regardless of how well adjusted he had become to having Liz in his life, he had been an only child up until now. And now here's little Ben. So Ben was obviously taking up as much time and attention as any newborn does. But because of Liz's prior eating disorder, it was thought that she would never be able to conceive in the first place. And then while she was pregnant, the doctors told her there was mad complications and suggested that she consider an abortion, which obviously she didn't do. And then when Ben was actually born... The doctors took him straight from Liz. She didn't see him. They had to wrap him in cling film. It was horrific. I'm not going to go into it. It was actually like really awful even just reading it. But he went through like a major, major operation straight away. And he was in the ICU for days. But my point is no matter how close Bill and Lawrence were, which I'm sure they were, like Bill was probably just a little bit preoccupied for those few weeks when Mm -hmm. little baby Ben... Was in ICU. In ICU, you know what I mean? So, Mm -hmm. and that's like, at this point in the story, Ben was maybe only six weeks old. Mm -hmm. So I don't know how long he was even back home in the house for. Yeah. You know, I just feel like this was not something that I came across in any of the source material. Like nobody seemed to really mention Lawrence in any of this, Mm -hmm. you know? Um, Everybody just seemed to concentrate on the fact that Bill had a new wife rather than the bigger picture of everything. Mm-hmm. And now maybe I'm wrong about that too, but I just don't remember people talking about it. Anyway, Lawrence worked all night painting in his room loudly while Bill and Liz are next door just trying to get some sleep. And the next morning, Bill asked him if he could see it. And he just said no. Mm-hmm. Very angsty teenager. But as soon as uh, But as soon as Bill and Liz brought him to get the bus to school, they snuck back home real quick and like, let themselves into the room he had painted the entire room blood red and this was truly worrying for bill and liz like they were disturbed they were like what the fuck it was deep blood red okay all four walls do you not think that's a bit fucking disturbing i mean red's (laughs) a color like Oh, well, thanks for ruining the end of the episode <laughs> for me there. Anyway, I like, thought it was I, fucked I, up. But <laughs> I don't think it's weird at all. Um, I thought it would have been less weird if he had painted the entire room black. Yeah. It, that to me would have been like angsty teenager. He's in there listening to that Suicidal tendency song from the 90s. Institutionalized. Maybe he's a goth kid. We don't fucking know. That's what I'm saying. If he was, I feel like he would have gone black. I don't think so. I feel so. like the red is a weird no, one. No, there's this goth chick that I follow. She painted her bedroom red and all of her furniture is black and it looks fucking killer. Yeah, but she's a grown ass woman. She did it tastefully. Not like sloppily blood red all over everything. You know? I mean, he had maybe he's he's not done. I'm just saying, like he I was ca- done. <laughs> he was done. <laughs> we don't know. Anyways, 
Allegedly. No, we do know that that was the house. No, I mean like smoke. decorating his room. Yeah. Oh, like he was like he hung up all his posters. Yeah, and everything? like that. That was it. Like that was his room done. He had oh. painted it red. As far as we know, I, I'm sorry. I still don't think it's weird. I think it's very weird. <laughs> I don't know. Like I always wanted to paint my room black when mm-hmm. I was a kid, and I was like, "That's fucking rock and roll, man." Whereas my best friend, shout out to Craig. I don't think he's ever gonna watch this, but he painted his entire room bright orange. That's fucking weird. Yeah, I was actually <laughs> gonna text him. I need to text him right now, actually, and ask him. Because like oh, high, friends, like high vis colors you paint your bedroom it's intense it, that's intense yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. and that was how this blood red was that's exactly my thoughts on the blood red no let us know in the comments below in the comments <laughs> on instagram um also i do have a little picture here of bill and liz i'll show you after but you know it'll be in the video and all that make sure to let us know how you are enjoying these videos i know very few people actually watch the videos but they're also, if you're listening on Spotify, you can watch the video on there. Um, and yeah, thanks for tuning in. We're going to pick this up next week with a very disappointed Dulce talking about the very casual red room. <laughs> hey, uh, my nephew, favorite color red. If he was left to his own devices and he's not a goth kid, he'd paint his room red. Yeah, but I feel like he'd go Houston Rockets red. You know what I mean? Yeah. And, you know, t- to be fair... If you went Houston Rockets red, that would be weird because it'd be too bright. But he went blood red, which is darker. And you kind of want, you know what I'm saying? I don't know, man. Like, I've watched. You don't want your room very to be. Very recently, I've watched high-vis Hammer colors. House of Horrors. And I feel like that blood red is very Hammer House of Horrors. And just, he seems like a kid that I would not want to hang out with. Listen, I don't <laughs> think it's a weird color. I like the color red i if i had plans to do like a victorian thing in my room then i would absolutely color my i would paint like how that goth chick did she painted her walls red and her ceiling was black and she put a crystal chandelier on top and it looked fucking amazing i i just i don't know (laughs) okay i'm kind of coming around to the idea of having it yeah like a nice blood right it would be I think yeah, if we are, if but I'm we, saying if we did it as fucking grown as adults, yeah, and decorated properly and all, then yeah, it probably would be nice. Yeah, like Victorian style and stuff. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like maybe the kids goth and book made no mention of it. I don't know. I don't know. I think the kids goth. Comment if you agree. Little gothic Lawrence. We'll be back next week for more on uh, the witch farm, hell fun hug, and. Uh, if you do, like, go ahead and listen to Danny Robbins. Uh, you'll find his shit wherever you listen to your stuff. Don't forget to rate and review, like, subscribe, all that kind of crap. Uh, join our Patreon for more videos. We actually have, like, a little discussion about smells on there tonight. And, um, or very soon. And also another funny missed connections on yeah. Craigslist video. Mm-hmm. Thanks, everybody. Yeah. Fuck you, Liz. (laughs) (laughs) I actually like Liz. I like Liz. If you like my finger guns, like the episode. Pew, pew, pew. (laughs) (laughs) All right. I'm going to go eat tater tots. Okay, bye. Bye. Bye.